Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Did you pay attention to the words that we were just singing? I just draw that out again. Are you confident that those words we were singing are true? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely goodness, surely mercy will be right beside me all my days. I may not feel it every day, but it's there. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I, I say that, and you heard me um, as, as we were praying. Um, You know, some of you are very confident that those words are true this morning. Some of you are not sure about those words at all, and probably most of you are somewhere in between, depending on what we're talking about as we come in here together today. But wouldn't it be great to be able to say, wouldn't it be great to be able to say that I live in confidence every day that there is someone who will always be with me, no matter what's going on around me, No matter what I'm facing today, there is someone of whom I can truly say, he will not leave me. He will be with me. And he will change me in all the places that I need to change. Today we're continuing in our series from the book of Philippians. Um, This series we've we've entitled being Coming Confident in Christ. And we come to another passage, the the next passage in line is is chapter 2, verses um, 2 through 13. And as we come to this, I remind you, though, that the Apostle Paul is talking here. And as he's talking, he's, he's writing, we've said this each week, but he's writing from house arrest where he is chained to a guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All right, so, so in that context, he's not sure that he's ever going to see the people at Philippi, this, this church that he planted. He's not sure he's ever going to see them again, but he loves them dearly. He loves them deeply. You see that in the passage in a minute. Uh, And he's encouraging them that no matter what happens to him and no matter what what they face in this life, they can be confident in Christ because it is God who is working in them. And so we look to chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. And I want to ask you as we turn to the Word, um, I want to ask you to pray the following with me out loud. Um, It'll be up here on the screen. Um, We're going to pray it together if you're willing as we come to his word today. So um, let's do that together. Lord Jesus, as we come to your word, please work in me today for your good pleasure. Amen. And now I'd ask, I know you all just got settled, um, but I'd ask you if if you are able to please stand back with me as we read God's word together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, this is the Word of God. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Amen. You may be seated. So our passage starts with a the phrase, therefore. 
If you've been around here very long at all, um, you know what question do we ask when you see the word therefore? What's it there for? Uh, we're there for, what is the therefore there for? Okay? Um, we we want to ask that question when we're going through Scripture. And so he starts with, therefore, my beloved. The therefore in this case is referring to the passage that, that Pastor John taught us last week. Um, it's one of the most beautiful and pivotal passages of Scripture. It, it is, is deep and rich. And, I mean, in one, one week sermon, you can't really get to all that it means. But, but he taught us last week um, in the passage just before this one, that Jesus, who is also God, or who is God, also became man. And he, and he humbled himself, giving up his rights, not, not giving up his godhood, but giving up his rights. He humbled himself to become like his creation so that he could be tempted as we are. That's, he was tempted as a man. That's why he had to be fully man. And he could be tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's why he had to be fully God. He alone then, because he was tempted as we are, yet he, did, he was tempted without sin, he alone then was able to take the wrath of God on the cross. And so the passage says that, that therefore God has exalted him, and God has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I, I want to be very clear today for just a minute again, that, that when that word says every, whether you agree with it or believe it or not, your knee will bow too. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Not some of them. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that's all to the glory of God the Father. So Paul is saying to the Philippian Christians, therefore, because Jesus is your only hope, Therefore, because Jesus is the exalted one, because you Philippian Christians have been saved by Jesus, therefore, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what do you think of when you hear that? If you've grown up in or around the church, you probably most likely think, or I'll say possibly, well, then I have to work hard to make sure I don't lose my salvation. Or I have to work hard because God is waiting on me to mess up and prove that I'm not his child. Or I have to obey him to keep him happy with me. But if that's where we go, then we need to be reminded today that we cannot work out what God has not already worked in. And so we're going to see today that God's work in you leads to a dependent obedience. So let's first look at God's work in you. And to understand this, um, because of the way the verses are written, and I'll show you that in a second, we're going, to, we're going to skip verse 12 and we're going to go to verse 13. And the reason we're going to do that, and we'll come back to verse 12 in a minute, but, but the reason we're going to do that, jumping straight to verse 13, is that um, if, if you look at it there, it says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The four here indicates an explanation of verse 12. Okay, and so um, it, is, it is a clause that, it, that is basically it's the for, or it's the because God is at work in you. So, so what Paul is saying here is because God is at work in you, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so let's look at that first phrase, God at work in you. Okay? 
First part of that is God. When Paul's on that, a lot of times when we read God in the Bible and we're sitting in church, we kind of fly over that for a minute. But I want you to reflect on that for just a minute. Paul's using the word God, and what does Paul mean when he says God? Okay? Paul wrote at least 13 books of the New Testament, right? He talks a lot about God through all that and shares a lot of things about God. So I want to share a few of those right now. Not all, nowhere close to all of them, but he says things like, God is the one who loves us with an everlasting love. God is the one who has provided peace, us peace with himself through the work of Jesus. God is the one who keeps us with an everlasting covenant based on his promises. God is the one who spoke the world into existence. God is the one who upholds the world by the power of his hand. He is the one who says that he will never leave or forsake his people. He is the one who promises to complete what he started in us. He is the one who supplies all our needs in Christ Jesus. And there's so many more things that Paul says about God and the rest of Scripture says about God. But that's the God who he's talking about here. And then it says that it is God, that God, who works. Now, the word for work here um, is energeo. Now, I probably didn't say that very well, but what does it sound like to you? Energy, right? Energeo, energy. And so it's saying that, that Paul is, is saying that the God over all things, this one we were just talking about, he's the one who gives power, who gives energy to the life of the believer, the one who works in the life of the believer. That's the next thing we see. It is God who works in you. Okay? It's God, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, working in you. It's not that every once in a while when he feels like it, he decides to work, on your, work, work in your life a little bit. No, it's by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And so... He is always present. Again, I'm not telling you this is what you feel. I'm telling you this is what it says he does. He's always present. He's always supporting. He's always sustaining. He's always upholding. He's always supplying. He's always strengthening. He's always shielding. He's always producing sanctifying effects in your life. And what that means simply is that that he's always growing and changing those who are his to better reflect him. And so then what's the specific work he's doing? Look at the rest of verse 13. It's in two parts. God works in us to will. What does that mean? It means that God is changing our will. Our natural will, our natural will is what? Yeah, it's to to sin and to be selfish and to do what we want to do, right? How do we know that? Well, it started with Adam and Eve. And because of their brokenness, that affects all of us. And so our natural will is to do what we want to do. We want to be God. We want to do what we want to do. We want to follow what we think is good for us, what pleases us. Maybe Maybe because that brings us a good feeling. Maybe it makes us look good. Maybe it makes us better compared to others. But when it's God working in us, that will changes. He changes our will. That's what happens for the the first time we understand our need for Jesus. 
He changes our will and we realize, wow, I'm, I'm a sinner and because of what he's doing, I realize I, I need Jesus because he changes our will. And then he changes our wills as followers of Jesus that we might want to live for Jesus. Anybody need that will change consistently in our lives? Again and again. That leads us to the second part because God works in us to work or to act. God's work in us. I'll get this a minute. God's work in us causes us to want to follow what he says is good for us, to want to obey and honor what he says is good. God's work in us causes us to want to follow his truth. It's not a bam and therefore all of a sudden all the time that's what we want. That's why sanctification, that's the the theological word for it, is a process. I was about nine years ago, I was... um, walking around in the back. And usually when children are having a hard day, I don't have to do anything with it. I just, uh, we've got great volunteers and leaders. Um, but as I walked back there, I could just see that this little boy was having some trouble. And I said, hey, do you, do you want me to take him out for a few minutes and just talk to him a little bit? And I'm like, I can get his parents if we need to or whatever. They said, okay, that would be great. Here, take him. <laughs> So we walk out, and I kneel down, and I'm talking to him away from everybody else. And I said, hey, buddy, what's going on today? Nothing. I'm having a great day. Hmm, something's not adding up. I said, well, um, so your teachers said you, you might be having a little bit of trouble obeying today. I'm obeying fine. Okay, well, but, but that's not what your teachers said, so, so why would they say you're having trouble obeying? Well, that's because they want me to do what they want to. I just obey my rules. <laughs> I follow that up with, well, maybe we should talk to your parents about that a little bit, to which he very boldly replied, oh, they already know. <laughs> I'm thankful to say that little boy has grown into a fine young man and is walking with the Lord. Um, <laughs> But you know, we use those illustrations with children. But isn't that often reflective of our own hearts? I want to do what I want to do. I'm obeying perfectly the things that I want to obey. We don't get to come up with our vision of the truth that fits us. Today we call, the the phrase today is, we don't get to come up with my truth. It's God's truth. It's laid out in his word. And our lives are constantly to be examined by it. But examined by it knowing that it is God at work in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, that's the third thing is ultimately it brings him good pleasure the, the word for that is actually satisfaction. It brings God satisfaction and joy. Why? Because back in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says those, when he saves someone, that, that he is going to complete the work that he's begun in us. And so as, as, we, as that is happening in us, that brings joy and satisfaction to the Lord. 
Next week, we'll see more specifics of, of why it brings him pleasure and joy um, in verses 14 through 19. But, but now I want to go back to verse 12. Again, God's work in you leads to a dependent obedience. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, Paul's writing out of his own tough circumstances. He's realizing again that this is probably the last time he will address them. And and he loves this church. And he loves these believers. And he's reaching out to them, reminding them that that things are going to get tough. And what he's calling them to do is hard. And in verse 15, he says it's hard because they live in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation. And so he encourages them, hey, you were living this out when I was with you. And I just want to to remind you, don't stop living out the salvation that you've been given. Don't stop there because there's going to be all sorts of things pulling you that you're going to want to rely on, that you're going to want to follow. No, be dependent on God's work in you, on the work of Jesus through His Holy Spirit in you. Even in my absence. In case you can't make the connection for yourselves, and I'm fairly confident you can, we also live in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation. And it's because we let that, the generation, and what the world says is wise and good, be our guide. Or we mix it with what the Bible says. Because some of that sounds better than what we read in the Bible. We don't get to do that. If that's where our hearts are, that should be concerning to us. Paul tells the Philippians and us, we need to stay focused because God worked in us both to change our will and to enable us to work in obedience to Him. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, our our trespasses and sins, it says in Ephesians 2. He made us alive and He is continuing to work. But it's important to pay attention to the words that he uses here, the phrase, He says, work out your salvation. He doesn't say work toward your salvation. He doesn't say work for your salvation or work on your salvation. He says, work out your salvation. Your work does not make you more saved. Jesus makes you saved. And that is all. And when I say you, I mean me as well. That's how we're saved. But in talking to believers, he's saying, but you are a saved son or daughter of God. Work that out. Work out of who you already are. That doesn't mean we're always going to want to do that. It doesn't mean that that we will always want to do what God says for us, that we'll always want to obey Him. But it does mean that we will again and again come back to Him in submission and say, Lord, Change me and grow me because you have delivered me. 
Make my life one of obedience to you, of repentance when I'm not, and of a new belief again and again that you're at work in me. And then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Well, I want to say what it doesn't mean first. Paul is not saying here that you can gain your salvation and lose your salvation and gain your salvation and lose your salvation and live in this craziness. I've already said, how are we saved? Through the work of Jesus Christ. That is where our salvation comes from. But I do think it's a warning. It's a warning for us to take seriously what God is working in us and ask Him to keep changing us to work out in obedience to Him. Why is that? Why do we need that warning as followers of Jesus? If we can't lose our salvation, why do we need that warning? Well, first of all, I think it's because we're really good at producing fake fruit. You ever walked into, um, you know, you, or walked in with a little kid and you go to somebody's house? Uh, this happened with us when we were younger. Maybe it's just me, so you all laugh at me. But um, we walk into somebody's house and they have that basket on the table with the wax fruit in it. Well, one of my sons loved apples, and there was an apple sitting in there, and I didn't pay attention. And, and you know, he's, he's sitting there, and he just, that little hand reaches up there and he grabs that apple, and he went, <sighs> and then he just stops. He puts it back. He said, no, thank you. (laughs) But often, when we're not working, when we're not not living in dependent obedience on God, dependent on Him for our obedience, dependent on Him working in us, then what what, what we get focused on is this fake fruit. Just make it look good. Or if I walked in with a Velcro vest and just had a bunch of fruit that I could just start sticking to me, right? This is what y'all see. No, it's if that's what we're doing, then he's telling us we're not living in the salvation that we have been given. And there's something wrong with that. Second thing I think he's showing us here is that is, is the, the holiness of God. Right? As followers of Jesus, do you, we sometimes lose, who is God? Well, we talked about all those things Paul says about him, and he is a holy, awesome, reverent God who, without the work of Jesus, do you understand that we could not come before him? And yet we get to come before him. We get to come before him. Not only as the God of the universe, but the one who has said, I love you, I will not leave you or forsake you, and I'm going to keep working in you. When we find ourselves trying to do the work on our own, then who do we become dependent on? I'll give you three options. We become dependent on either ourselves, we become dependent on someone else, or we become dependent on something else, something else. What happens in all those three cases? 
few of you shaking your head, something's not good. Yeah, they all let us down. Because it's only the work of God by the power of the Holy Spirit who can change us and cause us to live in dependent obedience. So where does that leave us? One, I pray that if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, that you can rejoice in the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's one. Rejoice in it. We're going to come to communion in a minute. And we are going to rejoice in that. And don't just stop there. That's the warning. Don't just stop there. Ask Him today to work in you and to change you. Change your will again today to want to obey Him to want to follow Him, to want to do what He says is good for you. And as He changes us, as God works in us, leading to a dependent obedience, that's good for us. That's good for those around us. And in all of that, it brings glory and honor and pleasure and satisfaction to our great God. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.